Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM. I'm your host Dave Freezer, teeing up our end of season special Pinkin Live 3, looking back on a very special and surreal Norwich City season with the columnists from the EDP and Evening News. But for now, I'm going to hand over to the unmistakable voice of Stephen Fry, reading a poem entitled, To Those We've Missed. It's been a funny old year. Well, that's to put it lightly. Around this time last season, we fell down despite our fighting and the stream of, oh, it's inevitable for a small club like ours, came tumbling in as surely as frustrating VARs. Factor in the lack of fans, the ones who keep us going. And who would have expected the performances we've been showing? Krull's safe pair of hands, towering Handley at the back, Buendia's midfield wizardry, some little-known Finn in attack. In recent times, being a Norwich fan has been, let's say, a roller coaster. I mean, there have been loads of lows, the 7-1 to Colchester, but Fark and Weber's success is legendary. Modern-day heroes ensuring Carrow Road will never feel too far from home. I think it's times like these that force our love to run deeper. Our most unprecedented achievement, but with no one there to see it. So, cut through me, I bleed yellow and green. Fords, fashion and keeler. The kind of passion of which other clubs could only dream. Distance is the hardest part of any relationship, so there's a special kind of feeling in returning to what we've missed. And when the new season begins, whether through glory, rise or fall, just picture crowds of fans united. Proudly singing on the ball. The canaries are rising from the ashes, and I dare I dare I say it, looking stronger than ever before, because it's the club we live and die for, the club we love, and so much more. Hello and welcome to Pinkin Live 3, celebrating Norwich City's title triumph as they bounce back to the Premier League in style. We're having a bit of a special night for you tonight, the Pinkin promotion party. We've already had the first two courses, as I saw my colleague Connor described it on Twitter earlier. Your starter was that poem from the one and only Stephen Fry. Uh, it's titled, To Those We've Missed. It's uh, dedicated to the Norwich City fans who weren't able to be in the stadium for such a brilliant season. Uh, it was written by Joe Webb, who is Norfolk's Young Laureate. Um, you can read all about that at the Pinken, uh, on the Pinken.com website. The main course already on the Pinken YouTube channel, which was our documentary, The Way Back, uh, which hopefully a lot of you have just watched the premiere of. That's just come to a close. Uh, I haven't actually watched it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, later, but um, I've been getting set up for uh, for Pink and Live 3, so uh, very much looking forward to, to having a beer and catching up on that shortly. But um, 
I will kick off with our first segment of the night. I'm going to be joined by my colleague Paddy Davitt shortly. The voice of Norwich City, Chris Gorham from BBC Radio Norfolk and our long-serving photographer Paul Chesterton are all going to be with us in just a minute for the first segment of Pink and Live 3. I can see that some of your comments are already dropping through. Um, Anthony Merritt, great season on the ball city. Sammy Mason, great watch. Simon Turner on the ball city. Uh, so keep those coming and we'll try and stay on top of them as best we can all night. We do just want to point out at the top of the show, though, um, that we are, are supporting a charity tonight. Um, of course, we in December, Chris Sutton lost his dad, Mike Sutton, who uh, was involved with Norwich City when he was younger. Um, he uh, had a, a long battle with dementia. So as you, as you can see, the Jeff Astle Foundation, they do um, a lot of work to try and support retired players and, and research into the issue of, of head injuries and the long-term effects of, of football. One of our other columnists, Ewan Roberts, has been committed to a UEA study along the similar lines. But if you would like to support the Jeff Astle Foundation, then their website, the Jeff Astle that the Jeff Astle Foundation.co.uk slash donate is the place to go. Of course, Duncan Forbes, Martin Peters, um, players in recent years that we've lost to to similar issues. So if you were, if you'd like to spare a couple of pounds in their direction, then by all means do. Right, let's kick off with the first part then and bring in Paddy, Chris Gorham, and Paul Chesterton. Hello, boys. Thank you very much for joining us. Mr. Gorham, what what you, is that? That's a treasure trove of ex Norwich tops I see behind you, my young man. Absolutely right. Yeah, this is. Um, I've just dug out my collection of the, <laughs> the shirts that I grew up with, um, and um, well, you can see I've put them up there behind me so they don't look quite as small as they actually are. But that, that's what I grew up wearing when I was first nice. going. To games. I've still got them. You can't can't bring myself to throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> Top stuff, and that's a good little segue, Pad, because of course that shirt behind me, we're giving it away at half time. Our quiz, um, for those who watched the first two Pink and Lives, it was Paddy v Connor. I've got another one set up. Connor has won the first two, so can Paddy get revenge? Uh, we shall see. Mr Chesterton, how are you doing? Uh, um, unfortunately, I guess your uh, emotions are still bubbling a little bit because West Ham are just, uh, are just lost. Your your first true love. Yeah, no pun intended with a bubbling thing there, obviously. But uh, I, think <laughs> I, I actually own three Norwich shirts myself now, so perhaps I should have put them behind me as well. Should have done, Paul. Should have done. Missed the trick, mate. Courtesy of my friends in Norwich City, yeah. I've managed to acquire three so far, so yeah. A little bit disappointed with the West Ham result today, but, you know, Everton a bit of a bogey team, so. There you go. Norwich can give you a a bit of a of a lift. I mean, that's not always been the case in what, over a decade of uh, covering the club, but um, there's always ups and downs. But let's kick off first. If I come to you, Pad, uh, just to reflect on, on Barnsley on yesterday, that 2-2 draw, the season coming to an end, and... It's been a special season, but it's been a surreal season. That seems to be the word that most of us are using, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the main reason for that, of course, as we all know, um, sadly, all, all these lovely fans hopefully tuning in tonight, in the main, bar one or two pilot events, not being able to attend. And, you know, let's hope this is, well, to be fair, it's a full season and, and the overhang from the, the project restart. But, but we, we can but hope that the government's roadmap uh, coming out of this pandemic will allow if not a full house from the start of the Premier League season, at least a, a significant proportion of fans back because, and we'll, we'll get into it in more detail. And of course, you know, we've all followed the fortunes of this club this season. It has been a special season on the pitch, um, probably a season unlike any other in terms of the demands placed on Daniel and, and the players and, and all the backroom staff. Um, 
but something has been missing. And, and Daniel is the first to talk about, you know, bringing it to Barnsley yesterday. We know it was about the trophy, but also it was about, sadly, saying goodbye to two absolute legends, as he called them, Alex Tete and Mario Brantic. And while there were some great scenes, we're seeing one or two of Paul's pictures now, um, it, it missed um, certainly a full away end at Oakwell, which it would have been to, to give those guys the send-off they deserved. And, and when Daniel says, hopefully they can have a delayed party to celebrate staying up in the Premier League, get those guys back and, and they can get the send-off they deserve. So for me, on the pitch, an unbelievable achievement. Um, I've only really followed the club's fortunes probably 10 years or so, but certainly unparalleled in that period. I think you'd go a long way to find an achievement as good on the pitch. But but ultimately, there is that underlying sadness that sadly, for the most part, the fans have had to follow from afar. And, um, you know, I'm sure they've the pride and, and the, the joy that they've felt has been a little bit diminished simply because they've not been able to be part of it. And, and it was great. I mean, you're in for a treat, um, Dave, watching that documentary. I'll just watch that for the first time. And uh, it's a wonderful piece of work for, from our guys, Connor and Tony. But Simon Thomas, um, big Norwich fan, you know, formerly of Sky Sports, talks about that. that he says when he's a, a granddad and, and he turns to his grandkids and talks about this season, he won't be able to talk lovingly about the games he was at Cairo to experience, you know, as a fan inside the stadium. And I guess what he says there echoes across the whole Norwich fan base. It it will forever more be a, an unforgettable season, but sadly a season when, you know, the people who really matter, which is the fans, were not able to be inside the stadium and, and living it with the players and with Daniel. It has been an unforgettable season, no doubt about that. Chris, um, speaking to Alex Tetty after the game yesterday, uh, I think we did our best to make him cry, but we weren't the only ones, were we? The, the, everyone in the Norwich camp, we're, we're trying to get him crying, and then I think they succeeded. Yeah, um, he, he was pretty much in tears already, wasn't he? But before we um, before we even spoke to him, um, I think the, the, the occasion was really getting to him. I think there were clearly tears in his eyes when he was leaving the pitch after being substituted during during the game yesterday. And I think, um, I've just been dwelling on this, I think for, for, for him, it's probably a blessing in disguise that we haven't got the, the big ceremony in the city this year, isn't it? With, with the balcony and, and all of that. We'd all love to have it. That's what's really missing, the open-top bus tour. But I really don't think Alex Tetti could cope with it. He, he was struggling yesterday. <laughs> Um, he, I mean, he even told us that he he didn't want to start the game. He was so worried about how he was going to cope emotionally. He, he didn't want to play. But yeah, I mean, I, I felt really glad to interview him yesterday at the end of the game. He was in tears, but he had a medal around his neck. And it, it did feel like if you're going to go and all players eventually have to leave Norwich City, that is the way to go out. Of course, it would have been much better if the fans had been there and had been able to get that proper round of applause, that proper ovation that, that he deserves. But for nine, nine incredible years with the club, he's been through so much. But if you're going to leave, leaving as a champion with the medal and being applauded off, no, not, not every player gets that. There are many other Norwich City heroes and Norwich City legends down the years who have not been afforded that, that, that sort of reception when they've gone. So, yeah, he and Mario as well, but, but Alex Tetti in particular will always be fondly remembered no, no matter what happens because they've, they've just done so much for the club. Absolutely. What a legend. And he leaves in 32nd place overall in the all-time appearances list. He's the only Norwich player to have been promoted to the top flight on three separate occasions. There's, there's loads of things you can roll out. Paul, from a photographer's point of view, Alex Tetti is, is absolute gold, isn't he? Because he, he must just have one of the, the best smiles in football. He has. Um, I do have a story about Alex. Remember the toe poker at Old Trafford? Right. Um, normally at a Premier League game, you'll get a snapper in every corner of the ground. Um, I was obviously in front of the Norwich fans 
and there was no snapper. He scored and he rang to the other corner. There was not one single photographer. Oh, yeah. In the and of course, I'm literally screaming, this way, Alex, please, this way. And he's run the other way. He scored an amazing toe goal. I can only just imagine what the look on his face was like, but no one photographed it that day. But yeah, I mean, yesterday I, I found him quite good to photograph. I could tell he was emotional from the moment he led the team out through the Guard of Honour. And that moment, I was actually wandering around to get to the um, trophy lift when I saw him being substituted. And I caught the photos of him, a pretty emotional himself and Daniel at the end. I wish I'd been the stand side, yeah, behind that, because I'm pretty sure I saw Daniel and a couple of others wipe a tear away as well. You know, it's a good oh. moment. One of my one of my one of my favourite moments of the season. Yeah, it's, it's been emotional. Well, I'll come to you, you and Chris on a, on a similar vibe. If so, so, if I come back to Chris to start with, but um, obviously with fans not being there, although we've been there and that's been a great privilege, there's been a lot of challenges this season in in, in media terms and in, in how we've actually provided the coverage that we have done, haven't we? So, Chris, to start with you, I mean, some of the away games you weren't able to do this year and you've had to do it off tube and things like that, haven't you? So how challenging did you find it? And uh, did you manage to sort of find ways to, to make it enjoyable or, or, or to make it work that little bit better? I think I... Oh, that, that's perfectly timed, isn't it? <laughs> the technology's given up on Chris just the moment we're talking about the technology. <laughs> okay, well, I'll come back to Chris then. Paul, uh, let's turn that to the photography side of things. And how challenging have you found it? And what have you sort of uh, found are the best ways to make it work? At times, very challenging. I mean, start of the season, we were literally limited to one position. So obviously, I'm yeah. always keen to do Norwich Attack. I have to do Norwich Attack, you know. I have to be behind the opposition goal. And I found myself at Carrow Road <clears throat> and some away grounds where I was literally up the other end. So I was having a photograph, you know, Norwich attacking the wrong end, which was a bit weird. Bournemouth, they stuck me up in the stands. I had an absolutely dreadful position. Oh, up. yeah. I remember you weren't happy about that. <laughs> no, I was. I just watched you two baking the sun most of the game that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's been a challenge. And then it eased up a little bit. Some clubs, it varied from club to club. You know, Huddersfield was a free floor. Just sit where you want. But some places were very strict to the rules, you know. Everyone tried to obey the rules, and it was difficult and very frustrating, you know, when you see it go up the other end and it's the players are running and jumping in front of other, other snappers and you haven't got that picture. You've got it from 150 yards away, 100 yards away from the wrong end. It's very frustrating. But as the season went on, the, the everyone relaxed a little bit. And as long as everyone followed the COVID protocol, you know, changing ends, staying socially distant, then towards the end of the season, we had no issues. Yeah. So it, it, it worked out, but then that made you be creative. That we feel looking from the other end, I had more chance to photograph Tim Krull, some of the defenders, which I don't normally do because I'm up the other end. So mm. it had so, its challenges, but you know, you, you get around it. So, well, he's still done a great job, hasn't he, Pad, as usual? And it, but looking at the photos, um, it, you know, in terms of sort of the, the souvenir things, you know, like the, the evening news tomorrow has got a sort of wrap around of the, of the big celebration photos and things like that, but. Just w without the the fans behind them, they they still just feel that sort of uh, that little bit hollow, don't they? Yeah, there's yeah a well, they do, they do. And I mean, my favourite one Paul was talking about is some of his favourite images was Sheffield Wednesday when it probably worked in your favour PC at Hillsborough when you had from behind the goal the Cantwell curler. Um, that's a that's a superb you know frame of because you oh, can see the way it wait the way the shot is. You can see the minute the ball leaves his foot. To, Kieran Westwood, I think it was, full length, and it's going right in the top corner, postage stamp. And, of course, that was a huge goal in the context of, of the season, wasn't it? So we've just got Chris back now, just talking, Chris, about the challenges of doing our job in a, in a pandemic, you know, in terms of the accreditation and the access and 
I mean, there was a period you guys didn't actually travel to the games. That's right, isn't it? Sorry, I lost you there, chaps, but I'll come back with you now. You're right. Um, we had a, a situation where um, local radio reporters weren't weren't travelling um, to, to, to games, um, which was understandable because it was around Christmas time and it, it was when we were in the, the real height of the pandemic. But it, it was good to get back on the road for, for the last few away games of the season. But I think I'd agree with you. It's been it's been a really different season because of the you know the lack of fans. I think it will go down as one of those seasons which won't have all the stories around it because of the the, the supporters not being there. And we always love hearing the fans' tales of where they've been and and their experiences of being at games. So it does lack something because of that. Um, I would say that, yeah, it's been a huge challenge uh, in, in some ways, just because from a commentary point of view, you do rely on that that atmosphere that's in the ground. You rely on the, the big roar you get from the crowd whenever there's a goal and, and not having that, even for the real big moments of the season, you know, the, the, the late Mario Vrancic goals right at the start of the season against Birmingham and, and Wickham, the ones later on, you know, the 7-0 against Huddersfield. Imagine if the ground had been full there. Even, you know, last weekend, the win over Reading where, where Norwich clinched the title, not having the Carroll Road roar for those games. I mean, you really do miss it. And as much as Norwich have been brilliant on the pitch and we can't fault the performances, I, I have missed that sense of community that that, that that goes with it. I haven't spoken to many fans in person this season, even you lads. I mean, we, we've we've sort of yeah. communicated over Zoom more, more than anything else, haven't we? So, <laughs> yeah, we've had our football, but we haven't had you know the, the true match day experience. Although I think this is the first time I've ever seen Paul Chesterton at room temperature. So that's, that's <laughs> nice. He's always in the coldest part of the ground, isn't he? So it's, it's nice to see what he looks like underneath all the hat and the coat that he's usually wearing. <laughs> Well, that was amazing timing that your internet dropped out just as we were talking about the challenges of, of technology. But <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, we've got, thankfully, we've got you back. Um, Paul, have, have you got a canary or something in in with you? <laughs> no, it's the birds. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not in a countryside place. I'm in quite an urban environment. But apparently, yeah. there's a few birds on my roof and in the, in the garden. So, yeah, that's actually me, yeah. I, th I thought you'd shown real commitment to the cause and got yourself a, a pet canary for the... <laughs> oh, yeah, I get enough, and I got enough ribbon from my left hand. <laughs> well, canary shirt. Can you imagine if I had canaries as well? I can only imagine. Um, right, well, just to close this segment then, for, for, um, Paul, in terms of the football, um, I, I guess it's slightly different when you're looking down the eye of a camera and things like that all the time anyway, but just how much have you enjoyed seeing how well Norwich have done uh, in terms of the way they, they managed to shake off the, the relegation hangover so impressively? I did well. Obviously, the end of the Premier League was a disaster, wasn't it? I mean, it was game after game of compete. And they seemed to have a little hangover at the start of the season, but then they seemed to get over it quite quickly. I think Brentford away was a pivotal result. I can't remember exactly when that was in the season. But that's when I started to think, actually, do you know what? These are, these are going to be contenders again. Hmm. I thought the football they played has been brilliant. Um, like Chris said and everyone said, I miss the fans. I miss the fans badly. You know, when you go to, so you travel all the way to Middlesbrough or whatever, or on a long away ground, and you walk in the ground, and there's no one there. You might as well be at Coney, or you could play over my local sports centre. There's no fans there. And it's quite a sort of depressing environment sometimes, you know. But the football pitch has been really good. I've really enjoyed it. It was good to photograph some of the fans with the celebration at the end, you know, the last two or three games when they won the promotion and when they won the uh, championship. That was good. But in terms of the football, yeah, it's been good. They're obviously going to need to strengthen in some places. Yeah, um, I just hope they can keep all their key players. You know, that that's that's the that's it to me. Oliver Skip is the key, really, to me. Well, what happens with Oliver Skip? You know, he's uh, much talked about. He's had that horrible injury now. Um, if they can keep him and and strengthen, I think they've got a good chance. I don't think they'll do as badly as they did 
two or three seasons or a couple of seasons ago. I think they can stay up if they strengthen. But the football, yeah. they played the good football. I like the way they still try and play the good football. You know, it's been a, it's been an enjoyable season for the most part. But like everyone has said, there's 20% missing at the games. There's been some odd results. There's been some odd results in the Premier League. There's been odd results in the Championship. And I think that's down to the fact that every game feels doesn't feel like a home or away game. It just feels like another training game. Yeah. You know, it would have been interesting to have this season with the fans there. Like you say, there's been games when the Norwich have been behind. I think the fans at Carroll Road would have brought them back up, you know. Um, and again, the away fan, the away support with Norwich is always superb. And I think away from home, when they've had a couple of t- Swansea away, imagine what that would have been like if there'd been a couple of thousand Norwich fans. Yeah. I think that would have been the game that we saw. I think it would have been different, you know. So I just hope by the time the Premier League come back, everything's back to normal and we can forget this last season plus the 15 seasons. 15 games last season with no fans and enjoy it going forward with fans. That's my theory. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and we're all fortunate that we'll be able to look back on that this horrible, surreal, weird season as some kind of positivity that we'll be able to think about it as as a title triumph, which you yeah. know, for a lot of clubs, um, this has been a very miserable time. Um, Chris, um, just finally with yourself, firstly, how was Ben Gibson on commentary? Because I bet he was a uh, bet he was good fun. Obviously, we, we were at the game, so I couldn't hear it. Um, but secondly, sort of looking forward to next season, and what are your thoughts on sort of how how much yeah, they great, need to, to build I mean, the I was, squad? Uh, yeah, um, first of all, Ben Gibson was great. Um, I was a bit, once the game started, I was a bit nervous about, you know, having a current player on air with us because he suddenly realised, like, every time Andrew Omabama Daly touches the ball, you know, <laughs> was it all right to say, I think he's really good because he's, you know, he's got Ben Gibson's place in the team. So I was constantly worried <laughs> about, you know, committing a faux pas and, and upsetting Ben Gibson. But he was brilliant. He was really professional. Um, when he first came and, and he was there really early, which I was I was pleased about, and he came and sat down and we were chatting and he said he's never done commentary before. And he was talking about, we were sort of talking the way through it. And he was saying that, you know, whenever you do anything for the first time, it's a bit of a tense experience. And then he said, like, this is the way I felt when I went on Question of Sport. And I thought, what? So I thought, well, <laughs> if you've done Question of Sport, mate, BBC Radio Norfolk is no problem if you've sat there with Steve Arthur and all. And he has. I didn't, when he was a Middlesbrough player, he was one of the guests on Question of Sport. But he was fantastic. I think, you know, the fact that there was a, a title to collect and he was there to, well, not get his medals, it turned out in the end, but because they only had the medals for the, the players who were involved in the game, but to get his hands on the trophy, it, we were really lucky to, to have him with us. And the, the circumstances were just perfect to have a, a current player. And, and of course, everything he said was was fascinating about, you know, everything from what Daniel Farker would have said at, at, at half time to what the week had been like around the training ground with, with Tetty and Vrancic. So yeah, brilliant. I mean, I'd love to say I would, it'd be great to have him back next season, um, Ben Gibson, but that suggests I don't want to see him in, in the team, which I, I don't want to say because I think he's been brilliant this season alongside Grant Hanley and as much as Norwich do need to strengthen and do need new players to come clearly um, I I wouldn't be at all surprised to see if it is those two starting on on the first day of the season all being well yeah they're going to need reinforcements I agree with what Paul said it'd be lovely to think that Oliver Skip might come back but I mean you can see can't you that they're going to go about it in a very different way this time because when they went up two seasons ago they basically kept the whole squad together well we already know that you know Rancic has gone Tetty has gone Oliver Skip has gone so suddenly that midfield looks quite threadbare so that's one area of the team that is going to need a, a lot of work a lot of strengthening over the summer and um, I like Paul I hope that they can keep ahead of the keep hold of the crown jewels but if they don't we've got to remember what's happened in the past you know when when players like James Madison have gone and, and we all thought oh you know that there's no replacing him actually they, they found somebody so it's over to Stuart Weber and the recruitment team to to, to, to do the same thing again so 
I am looking forward to it because I think it's always great seeing Norwich in the Premier League. It's maybe not quite as thrilling as it once was because of the, you know, all this sort of stuff that's going on in the background, European Super Leagues, and you, you know it's not quite what it once was, the Premier League. Plus VAR, that is a nightmare from a commentary point of view because you don't know how excited to get when Norwich do score a goal. But we'll, But it's a nice problem to have because, let's face it, as much as it's been brilliant this season, I always say this, I don't think the Championship would be anywhere near as exciting if you didn't get the Premier League prize at the end of it. You know, take that away, take, take away the idea of promotion and you just won the Championship. It wouldn't mean as much. It wouldn't feel as good. So that's what they've been playing for all season. Hopefully, the vast majority of this squad will get another crack at it because, wow, you know, 97 points from 46 games. They absolutely deserve it. And, and I hope as many of them as possible will be around next year to give it a go. Top stuff. Thank you very much, boys. Um, the, the Super League, you mentioned the Super League, Chris. They, uh, we heard this phrase, legacy fans, didn't we? Well, I think uh, ourselves and, and Radio Norfolk, we uh, we very much stand up for the legacy fans. That, <laughs> that is very much our audience. So uh, we'll, we'll always be there for you if, that, if, that's what they're, uh, if that's what they're calling you. Right, we will uh, roll through the squad because we've got Connor coming up next alongside Terry Westgate and Spud. Uh, and while Tony subs the uh, squad around, I'll just get through a few of your comments. There's quite a few coming in. Matt Gregory, great video, guys. Watched it from my home in Buckinghamshire, which is next to Bedfordshire, which is where Luton is, Connor, with a smiley face. So uh, <laughs> I'm guessing there maybe was a, a tiny error in there, was there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, oh, no, I might have said Hertfordshire, actually. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, close enough. <laughs> Everyone's always, those eagle eyes are always there, aren't they? Uh, who else have we got? Besant8 says, One City Strong. Owen Young, it's party time. Sheldon, on the ball, City, what a season. Mark Jones, brilliant season and fantastic coverage as ever by you guys on the ball, City. Thanks, Mark. Joe McKenzie, looking forward to next season, not just to watch the football, but to see the fans again. Craig Brown, hello, gentlemen. Good evening. And, oh, there's a load more just flooded through, so I'll leave, leave it for the second and come back to that in a bit. Terry, Spud, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Terry, if I... Uh, oh, what we got there? Is that, uh, just just a little bit. Of, just a bit of fizz. Just a bit of fizz. Ah, a bit of fizz. Excellent, excellent. Um, right, well, I'll come to you first, Terry. Um, how have you found it? I think... Um, we had you on the pod and stuff a few times, didn't we, um, in the Project Restart era and when we were unsure about what was happening. How have you actually found following it from afar? Yeah. And, and, and what things have you done to sort of make it enjoyable? Yeah, it's it's been it's been difficult and uh, not being at the games, you know, not being part of the atmosphere. I think I found it really difficult under Project Restart, I think, because that all the way that seemed to be rushed through, um, it didn't seem to be much consideration about for the fans or the football teams at all. It seemed to be like all about, you know, fulfilling contracts for TV companies. Um, and also we obviously didn't play very well and it was just a bit of a horrible experience. I think with the new season, we kind of knew what was happening, kind of got used to watching it from afar, you know, being at home, watching it on iFollow or watching it, you know, listening to the radio. And, um, and I think the fact that Norwich then started to actually do well, it actually was often the highlight of the week because uh -huh. when everything was locked down and you couldn't go out and you couldn't go to the pub, you couldn't see your friends or your family, often what you would look forward to would be watching Norwich City because you knew it was going to be entertaining and it was going to be exciting. Um, so, and then it, you do end up connecting with people. So, I mean, like the, the game yesterday, I actually had a video call with a couple of friends who are fans. So we watched it along together. 
so you kind of find ways to still connect with people but oh i'm desperate to be back desperate to be back at carrow road oh, we can't wait until you're all back um spuds i'll put the same question to you really how have, how have you found it we often see your, your photos with uh with your daughter and stuff trying to trying to make the best of it um uh, we we normally have a story from you with something to do with nudity so uh, we'll, we'll maybe hold that one back for a little while but um, i'm sure you've got one from at some point this season but how have you have you found it all oh we got the technology might have let us down on spud as well we'll we'll, we'll come back to spud and try and try that in a minute okay uh, connor if i come to you and um, let's let's talk a little bit about the documentary the documentary which everybody has hopefully watched before this or has uh, or will uh, after this and um, tell us a bit about how it was all pulled together you, you and tony our producer in the background here uh, a lot of hard work's gone into that but um uh, we seem to be getting lots of really good feedback about it already yeah i'm, I'm glad it, i'm not quite sure how we pulled it together to be honest but um, it's <laughs> it's there tony deserves a a lot of the credit on that front i i, I was just um spouting nonsense for, for the most part so um so so that's good but yeah it's, it was really nice i think actually to sit down and, and reflect on it and to be able to put this season which for all the reasons we spoke about has been surreal unique unprecedented whatever sort of um, word you want to use to, to put that into um a, a reflective kind of piece that people can go back and view when like you said in, in the last segment they are speaking about it with their with their grandchildren so hopefully we've done that we've tried to get some some decent voices as well talking about Norwich City um, and, and yeah I hope people really enjoy it and certainly as you say Dave the feedback so far beyond the Bedfordshire Hertfordshire situation and I think Tony got one of the scores wrong I mean it's it's been it's been pretty good and in, in terms of probably how we envisaged it when we sat down and spoke about it probably a couple of months ago um, I don't think it could have gone better, really. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really chuffed with it, and I hope people enjoy it as well. Yeah, good work. Make sure you have a have a watch of it if you if you haven't already. Um, shall we just try and bring Spud back in, Tony, and see how his connection is? Hi, Spud. How you doing? Very well, very well. You good self? There we go. That's much better. I can hear you now. <laughs> um, I think you probably heard what I said, um, but um, I, I said we normally get a story about nudity from you at some point. So um, <laughs> there's always, we'll, we'll maybe... always a story. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a story. Spud and Ori. Um, how have you found it all? Um, how have you found it following it from home? And how what what ways have you sort of managed to make it enjoyable? I'm not going to lie to you. It has been tough. Um, it's more of a case I say just just watching at home, really. I only went to one game, um, the Forest game. Uh, so majority of the games I've I watched at home with my wife and my little girl. And uh, how much it's great being with them. It hasn't been the same being in the ground. And yeah. it has been tough at times. Um, I'd hate to think what it'd be like if it's mid-table or we were struggling. It softened the blow that we were doing well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. I mean, I, I, not just because it's Ipswich, but for instance, Ipswich, because it's fresh in the mind, to have experienced the season they've had from a distance would be horrible, wouldn't it? So um, I'm going to ask um, you and uh, well, all three of you for your, your favourite moment of the season shortly. So um, start having a start having a think about that. But um, you mentioned your daughter there, Spud. Uh, is she uh, as much of a Norwich City nut as you already? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. She is probably watching her... Her videos uh, like Peppa Pig or something like that beside <laughs> me. But she's always next to me when we score the goals. And uh, when we score, she does love me picking her up and jumping up and down. Um, <laughs> the only sad thing about when we played Huddersfield 7-0, that was a 7.45 kickoff time. So that was past her bedtime. So she didn't experience any of the seven goals, unfortunately. Did so, you manage uh, to keep your voice down? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 
and make sure the doors <laughs> firmly shut and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, favourite moment of the season then. Um, Terry, if I can come to you first, if, the, if there's one that, that stands out as the one that you will sort of remember this season for, what, what would it be? It's difficult, isn't it? I think possibly the win against Brentford at home that was just billed as being this massive game and they were like going to be the main rivals, which they didn't turn out to be in the end, did they? It turned out to be mm. Watford, that they were going to be the ones that we were going to be competing for. And this, it was, you know, it's live on Sky. They just see all this pressure mounting ahead of it. And then, um, although it was only 1-0, we won easily. You know, we made them look quite ordinary, I thought. So, and after that, you thought, it's, you know, I actually said, I said the title is now there for the taping for us. So I think that was probably quite an important moment. I mean, I was also lucky to go to some of the games that were at Carrow just before Christmas. Right. And that was pretty special to be there for them as well. Okay. Um, well, yeah, lovely left footed finish from Wendy again that night as well, wasn't it? He's, we've seen a few of them. And I, I spoke to him after the EFL Awards. When was that? It's all been such a blur well, a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago or so now. And I said to him about the left footed goals and he just said, oh, well, I've been shooting more. I've always had a good left foot. You just haven't seen it. <laughs> just as, as simple as that, <laughs> um, which is quite a, an Emmy answer, isn't it? Um, Connor, uh, your moment of the season, sort of the defining moment that you, you will always remember? Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I guess probably one of the Huddersfield goals, maybe. Um, Terry's kind of stolen my answer. I was going to say the Buendia strike against Brentford. I think <laughs> that for me was the moment where I kind of looked at it and thought, yeah, OK, this this is a Norwich side that's, that's heading back to the Premier League. So probably that. But in terms of enjoyment, probably... I think it was, um, yeah, it was Kieran Dow's goal against Huddersfield where uh, there was that nice bit of interplay between the yeah. two. In terms of pure, whoa, these these this side plays really good football. It, it was that moment. So that's how I'd probably define it. But um, yeah, there's there's been so many, but equally compared to two years ago because there's so little emotion and, and they're behind closed doors. I don't think they maybe stand out as as maybe they would have. Like two years ago, I remember the Christoph Zimmerman header against Reading, for example, and the way the Carroll Road exploded off that team of Hookies late winning against Millwall. You could probably list loads and loads. So if I had to sort of pick two for different reasons, it, it, it would be those two, I think. But um, but yeah, so many moments. I think Murray City fans have, have been blessed this year. Spuddy, you want the beer there? I, I have to admit, I, I've been so busy today, I just didn't get a chance to nip out and get some beer. <laughs> Well, I was quite lucky. It was my birthday yesterday and I got far too much beer for my birthday. So, uh, yeah, so I'm all right at the moment for, for beer at the moment. Excellent. Is that a special edition Keepers top you're wearing as well? That is, yes. yes very uh, nice. Yeah, very nice indeed. It's had to be done. Yeah. I thought Tim looked uh, looked pretty sharp in that in the Reading game. Yeah, I've got to say, it's probably the first, I think it's the first ever goalkeeper top I've ever got. So... I had a few when I was younger, the old uh, sort of blue flex, Brian Gunn sort of era, that, that mid-90s era. They were some colourful ones. Um, your moment of the season then, Spud? Well, I'm a bit like uh, Terry. Mine would have been, well, I would have said Brentford. But another one that stood out for me was um, Stoke City. Because I can remember when I wrote my article that morning and, and seeing it and I was saying how after our three games against Millwall, Middlesbrough and Swansea, that we're going to be OK. And there's a little bit of me thinking, oh, should I have said that? Should I not? And all that. <laughs> and then we put a performance like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, for once I am right. We are going to be OK. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. So um, that stood out for me a lot, that, that game. Absolutely. Right. Um, before we uh, just uh, wrap up this section, we're going to look ahead to next season and what we think they need to do. But I'll just go for a few comments. Uh, Dubai Canary, see if we can tempt Paddy into a mention of Coventry City. 
they ended the season on a high. They certainly did. They scored six goals against Millwall yesterday, didn't they? Um, we've got a few more here. Uh, Lisa Jack, glad they're leaving on a high. If they stay around too long, it can turn sour. Talking about Tetty and Branchett. It's Diane says she's here. Hi, Diane. Uh, Eddie Ivans, Paddy's going to get Adam Eder on loan to Coventry. That's not a bad shout. They had Sam McCallum this season, didn't they? Um, Alex Alexander, great coverage throughout the season from the triumvirate from Archon and also Radio Norfolk's very own Chris Gorham. Good old Chris. Everybody loves Chris, don't they? Um, BMR James, great points from Paul. We have definitely topped 100 points this season with fans in the carrot. Right, yeah, I see, see where you're going with that one. Um, right, well, Connor, if I come to you first, um, in terms of looking ahead, we're expecting a busy summer, basically, aren't we? Yes, yes, we are. Um uh, and in my mind, immediately, I'm thinking you can't have enough cent central defenders. I think that's maybe the lesson that I've learned from from last time around. So um, any sort of additions there would would be would be necessary. I, I've kind of maybe changed my mind on on Drew, Andrew Omavamadile in, in recent weeks, and I've gone from yeah he'll probably get a really decent championship loan to actually thinking well he's 18, he's got time on his side. He only signed a professional contract what last. November, December, um, it, it probably represents a step up for him to at least spend the first half of the season training with a Premier League squad, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, and also for the depth. So, it wouldn't surprise me if Norwich maybe go into this this season with, with a few more centre backs, hopefully. Um, and, and then the, I guess the other point is is probably more physicality. And um, I think we spoke about this in a recent video or, or, or a podcast. Uh, my mind's <laughs> don't, don't know what we did <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> but. Um, but um, there, there was a, a moment last season after Project Restart and the players had drinks breaks, didn't they? So every so often, both teams would come to the side of the pitch and um, it was in the West Ham game. And West Ham were, were obviously in the, near the away dugout. Norwich were near the home dugout. And the, the difference in size between the two sides was um, was really stark and really noticeable. So um, I, I think that's probably second on, on my wish list, so to speak. Probably defensive cover and then um, a bit more physicality. But... Um, hopefully they're in a better position. They've learned the lessons this time. I think they will have that kind of advantage on their on their competitors. Watford, who haven't been in this position for a number of years, having to come back up and then stay up, although have a very good defensive record, and then whoever comes up in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, they're, they're probably the two I would highlight in terms of positions. Um, I'll let the other guys speak about those because I think there's probably several areas you could discuss. But for me, central defenders, physicality, I think that has to be the priority. OK, well, Barry Taylor says, I'd be surprised if the transfer activity were not already advanced. Rob Turner says, whoop, whoop, what an incredible season. And that he likes your style as well, Terry, which I presume means the fizz. Um, <laughs> Craig Brown says, what's the contract situation with Hernandez? How long is left on his contract? I'm pretty sure O'Neill's still got two years left. And of course, he's got a tattoo now as well. So he can't ever leave. He's <laughs> he's tied to Norwich City forever. Um, right, Terry, well, if we move along in terms of looking ahead, how do you see the midfield situation in light of Skip and Tete's uh, situation? Well, then, well, certainly Tete's not going to be here. And it's not looking likely that Skip will be here, certainly for the start of pre-season. Yeah, no, definitely midfield seems to be the area that we need to look into most, I think. I mean, obviously, Ranjit's leaving as well. I think that's where we, we need the most talent to come in. So I would definitely say, particularly that, that defensive role that, that Tete used to do and Skip was brilliant at this year. One of the reasons we got promoted was that Oliver Skip. So if he's not going to be there, we need to be somebody somebody who can step into his shoes. So I think that's really important. And and to be honest, the most important thing is holding on to players, is that we yeah. don't lose, like, you know, your, your Todd Cantwells, your Emmy Buendias. These are the, the, the players that 
will will get us the goals. Will you know? I mean, you look to the last time we were in the Premier League, and the first couple of months we actually looked really good. We played some lovely football, and Todd Cantwell excelled at that level. He proved that he's more than capable of being a Premier League player. So holding on to him and Emmy Buendia, I think, is as important. But yeah, midfield is where I would say we need to we need definitely need to recruit. Yeah, the the rhythm seemed to suit Todd nicely, didn't it? So um yeah, and, and I think you know, I think most people are probably expecting if one's going to leave, then it would be Max. Uh just in terms of that, it's probably his time. Uh Buendia is just whether anyone can afford him really at the moment, isn't it? Whether one of those really big bid comes along. And it's gonna be really interesting to see if he can continue to be as prolific in terms of goals and assists in the Premier League as he as he has been this season. Obviously, he won't be as prolific, but you know, continuing that same sort of vein. Um, a couple of comments. Um, the Marvelous X says that was like watching a photo album of Spud selfies. <laughs> and James Hotkiss says, um, Spud, Spud Broadband seems to be slower than the Huddersfield defence tonight. <laughs> very good. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> we're good working now. Um, Gerald Taylor says the documentary was fantastic. It's that sort of initiative that makes the culture around Norwich so brilliantly unique. And Rob Turner says 97 points is an incredible achievement. So thanks for all the comments. Keep them coming. Uh, so, Spud, we might... Well, it's like we've planned it, but we'll move ahead to the forwards now. In terms of strikers, how do you see that situation um, evolving? Do you think that they do need to bring someone in? Would you like to see Woodrow out on loan? How, how do you want the strikers to be lining up once we kick off next season? That's such a tough one to answer because all three, Hugo and Kugu and Ida, have all got their strengths in all in different ways. Um are they going to be good enough for the Premier League? That's the, that's the uh, $64 million question. Um, yeah, now it's a tough one. We'd like to um, add more in, into that department, but it's to worry about the cost and are we going to put all our eggs in one basket for strikers where, yeah, you see other clubs have done it, i.e. Sheffield United this season with Brewster paying £25 million for a striker who hasn't scored one goal for him. So... Um, that is something I, I really would struggle to answer and glad I'm not in charge of that. Yeah, and well, it's going to be interesting with people's injury and stuff. You just got to hope that doesn't have a knock-on effect for Norwich. But you follow Rotherham a bit as well, don't you, Spud? So, um, you must have been, we were sort of following it in the press box yesterday because obviously we were in South Yorkshire, so a lot of the local journos were interested. That was so cruel on them, wasn't it? Uh, I, was, I was gutted, really. I was obviously watching the Norwich game and... Uh, one of my Robin mates was just keeping me updated with little um, WhatsApp messages and all that. And I, longer game kept going. I kept getting, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And uh, but no, uh, late goal and a deflected goal as well. But if Robin can't win, couldn't win. I think they only won one game in the last 11, 12 games. You deserve to go down, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So tough on them. But yeah, the table doesn't lie after 46 games. They had their opportunities, but Warning Ola still doing a great job. Terry Spud, thank you very much for joining us. Spud, thanks for persevering with, with the broadband. Uh, Connor, yeah, if you stay where you are. <laughs> all right, cheers. Um, Connor, you stay where you are. We've got the quiz coming up, which you'll all be able to follow along with, of course, and have, have your own answers at home. Um, it's, a, it's a toughie. Um, I've tried to, tried to level the playing field a little bit in terms of its... Uh, uh, questions where you've got to sort of answer closest to the to the number and stuff and things. I was like going to say you've not thrown a couple of Coventry questions in there or something, have you? <laughs> yeah. How many how many appearances does Peter Underlove play for Coventry? <laughs> um, 
Uh, we'll bring Paddy back in. Uh, there, there he is. Uh, just a few um, comments before we get going with the quiz, though. Uh, Rob Turner says, um, oh, that's so adorable, which I'm afraid I'm not sure what that was in relation to. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll say that was aimed in, uh, in Terry's direction, shall we? Um, Max Edmonds says, hi, guys. Thanks for all your great coverage this season. I'm an NCFC fan that lives in Bedford, and it's kept me going through this very tough time. And it's been the thing that has at times kept me going. Thanks very much on the Ball City. Thanks very much for that, Max. I'm sure um, lots of people will uh, uh, be able to sort of agree with the, the similar sort of sentiment. Um, Spoon Meat, which is a strange name on YouTube, uh, on the Ball City, Europa League next. And that will do for the second. Right, boys, Pad, how are you feeling about this quiz? Yeah, I was just on mute there. I was just going to tell you how many appearances Peter and Love had for, co uh, for Coventry, if you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> we walk out of the way. Well, I'm yeah. surprised you bothered to turn up, Pad. To be honest, <laughs> no, well, uh, if, if, if he wasn't on such a tight shot, what you'd see below him was about five different applications open with Google on the go, ready to get the answer. Google. <laughs> right. Well, let me first tell you who you're both representing. Um, we opened this up earlier. The shirt you can see behind me is what you're playing for. The special edition home shirt, which uh, the club released recently. Really nice idea. And um, we asked uh, Twitter users to retweet um, a, tweet, uh, a tweet about tonight. And those who did retweet were entered into the draw. And the two names chosen at random. Paddy, you are representing, representing Owen Bell. I, I think I'm presenting that, uh, rep, pronouncing, sorry, that name correctly. Owen Bell, which is at Owen Bell NTFC. And Connor, you're representing Bob Langdon, who is at Bob Langdon 7 on Twitter. So they are the... The two who are in the running for the shirt, depending on who wins. And, of course, you guys can play along at home as well. So, if you're both ready, number one, your first two questions are Alex Tete themed, um, which I thought was nice and appropriate. So, Alex Tete has been booked how many times in his Norwich City career? I will give a point to the person who is closest. I'll read it again. Alex Tete has been booked how many times in his Norwich City career? Connor, as reigning champion, you have the honours and you can go first. I feel like this might be quite high. 37. 37. Interesting. Pad. Just, just to clarify here, Dave, is it has to be under the actual answer as opposed to, you know, it's not the nearest two. So if it was 38, would Connor be out of the running? No, I'll go. I'll give a point to the closest. Either one. Yeah, either one. Yeah, well, going to test my maths. <laughs> no, I, I, I was going to say forty purely on the basis that I've counted out there. That was about ten seasons. My basic maths. I reckon he must have accumulated average for a season. So I'm going to say forty. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it was as many as this. <laughs> I, I recounted and recounted sixty-five. Sixty-five. <laughs> 65 yellow cards. But he didn't get any red, did he? Am I right to say no, he never sent off? Yeah. Never yeah. sent off for Norwich. So that's the big one, wasn't it? Um, but I, I he, he got into double figures a few times. So um no. yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to be quite as many as that. But um no. for a for uh for a bonus point, can you tell me how many he got this season? Connor, I'll come to you first. Um Probably not that many. <laughs> I will say... I'll put a number on it. Uh, two. Two. Pad? 
I don't think he played. He didn't play a massive amount. I'm going to say one. One. Pad has taken both the early points because he didn't get booked this season. There you go. Yeah, okay. he didn't play many minutes. He wasn't really. He didn't play a lot of minutes, did he? In total, so. Uh, I think that was only his fifth league start yesterday. Um, so that's the way that for Tete to go out, isn't it? So Pad takes an early lead, Connor. You got to up your game. Well, you I see, think... what, you, what you do is you give the you give him a, a false sense of security, and then you start playing properly. So um, question two, I, it was always sort of my target, to be honest. You want to start? You want to start refreshing them uh, devices out of shot a bit quicker, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right here we go. Then question two. This one's a bit tougher, I think. Uh, Tete scored four goals for Norwich in the Premier League. Can you name the four clubs that he scored against? So Alex Tete, I think he scored eight goals overall, but four of them were in the Premier League. Can you name the four clubs that he scored against? I presume two of them are probably going to be quite easy to get. Um, but yeah. the other two, maybe not quite so obvious. I mean, I know the answer, so it's, it's, it's difficult to judge. <laughs> Um, but just one last time for those following along, following along at home. Tete scored four goals for City in the Premier League. Can you name the four clubs? Do, do we get a point for each one we get right, Dave? Yes, you get a point for each okay. one on, on this one. Okay. Um, right, so that Pad, if you... That tells me he knows all four, which isn't a good scenario to be in because I'll, I can only think the two obvious ones. Okay, well, I was going to come to you first, Pad, but let's go to Connor first. He's got the smile. Uh, Sunderland. Yep. Man United. Yeah. Southampton. Yeah. Bournemouth. Oh, he's let it down at the last. So three points for Connor there. So you're taking the lead, depending on how Pad does. I presume he's going to get two. So he well, should the be first, the, yeah, the first two, yeah. Sunderland and United, obviously. As, as yeah. Paul gave us the answer in the first segment, if we wasn't <laughs> yeah. aware anyway. Um, I wouldn't have got Southampton, so I'm going to be honest on that one. Uh, yeah. Newcastle. Sheffield United. He scored last season, didn't he? He did, yeah. It was the river end, wasn't it? Yeah, like near post. Yeah. It was. It was. I had Bournemouth in my head. I was, yeah, I knew the goal as well. Ah, oh, poor that. Never mind. There we go. So, after two rounds, we've got five questions. Paddy is leaving. Daddy Dave. They're not all techie themes, as much as we love the bloke and it's no, his no, no. Next one's on Branchich. <laughs> 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 Um, so, uh, yes, heading into question three, Pad's leading 4-3. So Connor's making a comeback. Mario Vrancic scored 15 league goals for Norwich, but only one of those was in, in, was in his first season. Can you remember who it was against? I think this one's quite tough. I don't think I could have got it. I'll repeat it. Mario Vrancic scored 15 league goals for Norwich. But only one of those was in his first season. Can you remember who it was against? I will give you a clue, but it's probably not much of a clue, <laughs> considering we're talking about the season 2017-18. It was set up by Madison. <laughs> so that might not narrow it down too much. Was it, a free, uh, it wasn't a free kick, obviously, by you saying it was set up by Madison. It wasn't a free kick, was it? I think it was a set piece. It was a set piece. <laughs> right, I tell you what, we'll we'll keep going to give you a bit more thinking time on that one. We'll we'll I'll give you question four as well, so that we can keep things moving, because uh, this is another one. Uh, whoever gets closest gets the point. <clears throat> question.
Question four, Daniel Farker has just completed his fourth season in charge of Norwich City. How many games has he overseen? How many games has Farker been in charge for? Uh, and as I say, closest gets the point with that one. Um, right, Pad, you're in the lead, so I'll come to you first for your... I'm just doing, I'm just doing the maths, Dave, just doing the maths, as they, uh, as they say. So, league, league and cup per season, yeah? Yeah, all games, all competitions. Farker, in his four seasons, how many has he been in charge of? Right, hang on. Just do me addition now. <laughs> Connor, chip in if you've already got a number. One eight, one eight eight. Yeah, maths. I'm hopeless at maths. I'm hopeless. One eight eight. One eight eight. Southwell, what are you thinking? Yes, yeah, that's close actually, isn't it? One eight. I'll go one eight seven, and then we'll no, see. Uh, that's not in the spirit of it, is it? Well, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's tactical. That's not in the spirit. Tactical. He's so done. I've, the work, I've basically done the work here. There's no way if if this is below one eight seven, this is wrong on a moral level. He's gone tactical. All right. Well, the bonus point question on top of that is how many of them have been wins? And I'll get I'll get the answer from Connor first. So. <laughs> Connor, you said one eight seven. How yep. many do you think were wins? Um, trying to think of his win rate, which is what so over fifty percent, isn't it? I think. That is some serious maths if you can work out off the percentage. <laughs> um, eighty eight. Eighty-seven. Right, and Pad, how many wins? I'm going to say eighty-eight, Dave. <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> you too right okay so Farker has been in charge of 195 games so Pad gets the first point but there have been 85 wins so yeah. the second point <laughs> um, before we move on to the fifth one because that's looking like it might be a bit of a tiebreaker let's go back to question three which was Mario Vrancic scored 15 there. Look at the platinum hair. That's what we won. Brilliant. Those were the days. Mario Vrancic scored 15 league goals for Norwich, but only one of those was in his first season. Can you remember who it was against? Has it? Has anyone got an answer for me? I'm, I'm happy to have a guess, but beforehand, if 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 Pad wins this quiz, he's got to have his hair like that, hasn't he? The the Vrancic <laughs> gold. <laughs> no, no, we've got no, to, we've got to go back to that. Platinum paddy. Yeah. I will. I'll have a stab and say, Reading. Okay, and Pad. Hall. Hall. Connor's pulled it out of the bag. Three-two home win over Reading in March 2018. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was a header. Grant Hanley scored a header, and Madison scored a penalty for the third. But it was a, a Madison corner that set up Branchich. Which so, you use for that one, Connor? This one, mate. <laughs> so we do have a tiebreaker, and the question's perfect for it. I this this makes it sound like I planned this so much better than I have. You are tied on five points each. So this is the decider for the shirt. Who will be getting it? Owen or Bob? Question five. Ben Gibson averaged the most passes per game in the city squad this season. How many did he average and closest gets the point? I'll read it again. 
Ben Gibson averaged the most passes per game in the City squad this season. How many did he average? Which is a reminder of how good he was, how well he was playing before he got injured, of course, and, and Omar Bamadeli came into the team. And his passing stats have been pretty good as well, haven't they? Um, right. I don't know who I'm going to come to first here. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just using the calculator. I'm not checking. I'm just using the calculator. Uh, true, true, true story. <laughs> if I could share screen, and I'll tell you, I'll even tell you the calculation. I'm going to do 18 passes. And I reckon 18. Eight per game. Yeah, per game. Times. Right. Okay. He was, he was injured way towards the end of the season, so I don't know exactly how many he played. I'm going to say 36 games. 648. Right. Well, it's the, it's per game, though. I was going to... Per game, sorry. I thought it was a total. I yeah, thought no, it was a total. It's his average per game. game. 18, then. 18. You're going for 18 per game. He's right. only, he's, you know what he's going to do now? He's going to go one below. <laughs> so, he, Pad thinks 18 passes per game, just to be clear. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think it's more than that. I, I think it'll be... S- 75 and, and then just, just plus I'll take passes a game yeah absolutely yeah passes a game I thought we meant completed passes uh, yeah I think that is completed passes yeah well, anyway Connor's won <laughs> it was 78 per game Gibson, Gibson massive oh that's pretty close isn't it I've had, man, I've had an absolute murder haven't I I've cracked <laughs> under the pressure I'll tell you what Pat it's a good job you did that calculation you know what it is? I've had a, uh, to, to, to echo Kenny McLean, I've had a few of these this afternoon. That's probably what I'm going to put it down to. There, there was a little bit of brain freeze there, I think. Because <laughs> Gibson ah, so had a it's all, good, it's all good fun. Sorry, Owen. Sorry about that. Total total breakdown. But, you were you know. so close, Pad. I think Gibson had a few games where he uh, had over 100 passes, didn't he? Um, so because he just became that sort of tempo man, didn't he? At the back, a bit like Tim Close used to be. This not underlined definitively. I have no interest in stats or anything to do with stats. There you go. Then don't worry, Pad. The next one's on XG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be if it's on XG, I'll be going that way. Well, <laughs> well, there you go, Bob. You've got a shirt coming your way, courtesy of Mr. Southwell, who maintains well, his unbeaten. Winning streak, three in a row. Um, I hope you uh, enjoyed following along with that um, at home. Um, I'll just take before we start the final part of Thinking Live 3, we've got our colleagues David Hannon and Ian Clark coming on uh, alongside Paddy. So, Connor, thank you very much. That You, you can leave victoriously. <laughs> that, that, that for me, that's done. That's the highlight of my evening now. So, uh, happy days. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good work. Um, and good we'll job. just take this opportunity to remind you um, of the charity that we're supporting tonight. If you do have a uh, a few pounds going spare that you would uh, like to send in the direction of a charity this evening, the Jeff Astle Foundation, um, as mentioned at the top of the show. Of course, we've seen a, a few Norwich City, former Norwich City players pass away in recent years. Uh, Duncan Forbes, Martin Peters and Mike Sutton most recently, um, only in December. Chris Sutton's dad, who who started his career at Norwich. Um, who have all had battles with dementia before uh, they passed away. So um, we wanted to support them. Ewan Roberts, of course, one of our columnists, he has been involved with the UEA and some of the research that they're doing into um, the effect on sports people after they've retired along those lines. So, of course, it's a major issue in the sport. And uh, if you can spare a few pounds, then do head along to the jeffastlefoundation.co.uk slash donate. Welcome 
to the new normal. Hello, and welcome to this series of Unfinished with me, Charles Thompson. Welcome to Weird Norfolk. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. From true crime to football, politics to folklore, for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash Archant. Right, if uh, they are on board, then let's bring Ian Clark and Dave Hannant, who I can see are in the waiting room, both in their yellow and green Norwich City shirts. Hello, boys. How are you? We're really good, Dave. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm I'm going to ask you both. I'll, I'll tell you now so that you've got a bit of thinking time. Um, your your favourite goal of the season. Um, but Mr. Hannan, you you're a, you're a man who, who likes to get emotionally entwined in a Norwich City player. Um, how how many how how close have you been to shedding tears about Mr. Tete's exit this uh, this weekend and and Mario of course as well. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm devastated about both of them going. Though. Um, but I, I must admit, the only departure where I think I actually have literally shed a tear was um, was Wes Houlihan. That that game against the game against Leeds, that the perfect goal, which I, I, there is not not a single player in the country who could successfully ricochet the ball off both posts and off a player. So <laughs> Wes Wes was the big one for me. That, um, but you know, I think maybe because I'm a little bit dis you know, disconnected this year and it's not in the same way. I wasn't watching on iFollow or anything to that effect. Maybe it wasn't, might have been a bit harder to see, but um, yeah, Tetty is, it was, has been a fantastic server and one of the big characters you get to play for us. And yeah, it's, of course, it's a shame to see him go. Um, and yeah, um, ditto with Rancic, who beautiful man, both on the pitch and beautiful <laughs> man in general. Uh, those eyebrows just confuse me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they're not going to be many moments, you know. They're not going to be, you know, players like those two are few and far between. And obviously, it's a huge shame to see him go. But that's football, isn't it? You know, I didn't think I was ever going to recover from Wes going or Grant Holt leaving. Or I think Darren Eady, when I was a, a child, I think I shed a few tears when we sold him to Leicester. But yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know. And there are always going to be more heroes, aren't there? There are, there are. Uh, as as we've seen, we've seen a nice little line of it, haven't we? Um, Madison came in, well, sort of alongside Wes almost, and then and then Emmy and, and Todd have, have taken up the mantle from there. Um, Clarkie, how, how have you found this weekend? It's been it's been quite an emotional one, isn't it? Really emotional, yeah. And I think I think as Dave said, not being there makes it very different. But I think watching, you know, Farkas pre-match presser talking about Mario, talking about uh, Teddy. Um, and, and just just see, just seeing, I've forgotten um, the hair that Mario had in those early days. Well, I think Paddy, you do need to go there, mate. <laughs> that would look brilliant. Maybe, maybe I should. Maybe before I actually go silver, I should just have have a colour. <laughs> so, um, That's what I was going to say. I think I'm halfway there. <laughs> yeah, and it was, a, it was a funny game to watch from home. Um, I, I thought I thought Barnsley yesterday were uh, played well, and, and I really hope they go up, but. You know, it was, it was good to. It would have been nice to have got those those ninety nine points, but to have not lost and um, to finish in style, uh, with, you know, with all of those points, um, it it was it was a not a perfect end to the season, but but certainly a good one. But the last the last few weeks, you know, when we clinched promotion, when we then won the title, and yesterday as a whole, it's just been it's just been a phenomenal few weeks. It has. Right. I'm going to come to you both about your favourite goal in a minute. But, um, Pad, we've had a few questions about the striker situation. So I'll just go through a few comments before we come um, to them. Um, 
Eddie Ivans says we will need another striker if Adam Eder goes out on loan. Uh, Dubai Canary said good point on physical size. Connor saw Newcastle win at Leicester on Friday. Some of their best players look like giant beasts, <laughs> um, which sounds quite scary. Um, Tom Calton, need a striker, in my opinion. Can't lay all the burden on Pookie. Um, so, yeah, Pad, what, what do you make of the striker situation, given that we've just seen, well, it, it's concerning the Pookie situation, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And for the lad, first and foremost, saw him there yesterday. You know, he had a protective boot on. Um, and the Euros, sadly, same applies to Kenny McLean now after yesterday's game. We're talking four or five weeks before the tournament begins. So it's very difficult to see those guys being, well, certainly fit and in peak condition. And the knock-on effect then, obviously, going into Norwich is pre-season in the Premier League. Um, but if we bring it back down to the strikers, yeah, there's no doubt. But I thought it was quite interesting and put it to Daniel. You know, Adam Eder scores yesterday, last day of the season, scored on the opening day, the winner against Huddersfield. And in between, he's had, you know, terrible luck with injuries. He was obviously one of those who was diagnosed with coronavirus. Um, and his season never really got started on a personal level. But you saw the instincts there yesterday. You know, it was a simple finish in the end, but he had to get himself in that position and it was a very calm finish. Um, and as Daniel always says, that is a guy who knows where the goal is, wherever level he's gone up. Um, and sadly, for reasons outside of his control, he didn't get maybe the season we thought he would. But I wouldn't necessarily, to take one of the questions um, there, at this stage, think he's going out alone. I, I think very much he will come back in pre-season. And if he impresses, we saw it with Todd Cantwell, the pre-season prior to the Premier League last time around. Um, it's not beyond the realms under Farker that it, it, he might be a bit closer to a Norwich 11 in the Premier League. But obviously, ultimately, looking at the resource now, if you throw Jordan Hugel into the mix, with a fair win, it's Timu Puki opening day of the season. But I just think now with, with this situation around Timu, with the fact that Adam is so unproven and Jordan Hugel didn't really cut it at West Ham in the Premier League, and the experience of last time around, that they were so overly reliant on Timu. And we saw what happened when he got an injury at Leicester midway through and was never the same player again. And that was one of the main factors why Norwich slid down that table so alarmingly. Um, I think they will look to address it. They've already been linked with the, the, the guy whose name escapes me now, the top scorer in the Eredivisie a couple of weeks back, a Greek lad at Venlo. Um, and I think yes, you'll, yes, wasn't it? Yeah, you'll see a good few more strikers linked because ultimately... Everything they're going to do this summer is framed through what they didn't do two summers ago and what they maybe wasn't able to do in terms of the finances. And we know how difficult it is going to be to bring in a striker who's capable of scoring goals in the Premier League. What did they do two seasons ago? They went down the route of bringing in Josip Dermic, brought him on a free, so it made sense financially. But clearly, those injuries that he's had in his career in the latter years in the Bundesliga, it took their toll and he, he wasn't really able to step into Timu's shoes they won't want to make that mistake again. So I think as we sit here right now, irrespective of what happens with Timo and his injury and his fitness, they will definitely look to bring in a striker. I'm pretty sure of that, yeah. Yeah, well, Mark Jones says, I'd like us to go for Adam Armstrong at Blackburn. I think most of us would agree with that, but I think you're probably talking about a, a 15, 20 million pound player there. And I it's very unlikely the Norwich are going to be splashing that much cash on one player, unless, of course, they really were to, to sell... Um, the crown jewels for, for a lot of money. Um, right, uh, Dave, if I come back to you, uh, your favourite goal of the season? Uh, it's a tricky one because there's been so many brilliant ones, but the, the one that leaps out at me immediately in my mind is um, 
is um, Todd Campwell's at, at Sheffield Wednesday, um, partly because of obviously, you know, it's his weak foot, it's an in, in, amazing finish, kind of bent into the top corner. But the thing that leaps out to me is, is more the assist than the actual goal, because, you know, from, from Wendia in the build-up to it, that tackle, um, you know, it's the kind of crunching tackle you'd expect from like an Alex Tetty. And not only that, he kind of then had the wherewithal to get not only win the ball clean like that, but get back on his feet, you know, thread a ball through the eye of the needle. And Todd's finish kind of made it the complete package. I think if, if it wasn't for the fact that Emmy nearly fell over Ben Gibson in the build-up, that made it look a little bit on the ugly side. But for the for that, you know, that tackle and then that through ball and that finish all, all in one kind of piece kind of made that the one for me. That's a good shout. And I like that when we come back to you, your wine glass is now empty. Yeah, and, and I wish that it had wine in it, but I'm not allowed to drink at the minute, so it was J2O. Oh, oh well, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, that's a good shout, Clarky. I mean, obviously, you're you're a big Todd Cantwell fan, as 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 the king of Deerham yourself. Um, <laughs> where's your... Where does uh, where does your uh, decision go? Well, I mean, Dave's right. There've been there've been so many great goals. I mean, you could probably have a goal of the season contest in that Huddersfield game alone. I mean, some of the some of the goals in there were phenomenal. I'm going to go a little bit left field, and I'm going to pick a Emmy Buendia goal. No one's going to be particularly surprised at that. He scored he scored so many. Mine's yeah. actually going to be the one. It was a bit of a messy goal, but it was the one back in December when we beat Forest two one at Carrow Road. Not the, not the purest goal. You're all probably wondering why, where I'm going with this. It was actually the last goal that I saw in the flesh because it's the only, the only game this season um, that, I've, that I've been able to watch. That was that period when we were laid back in. So um, for, to, to, to see a goal in the flesh, and that was one of those sort of important wins at that time just to, to get us going at what wasn't the, the most fluid period of the, of the season. Um, so, yeah, lo, loads of them in goals, but that was my favourite because it was actually the last one I saw in person nice answer i like it um and, and sort of a, a late winner-ish as well i suppose wasn't it yeah, if, yeah remember it was. that correctly yeah so yeah um well i mean what what do you make of todd actually clark yeah, i mean would i be fair to say that he, he it almost feels a bit like he's flying under the radar a bit at the moment when you think about how much he's actually achieved you didn't really hear many people talk about him in in the player of the season mix too much but he, he has had a very good season hasn't he He's had a very good season. I mean, when I, when I did my column a few weeks ago on on player of the season, and you know there was the the, the debate over the skip skip versus Buendia, and obviously you throw uh, Timo in the mix and Hanley certainly. And I think I, I'd said that at that stage, Todd was probably my eighth or ninth choice. And you know, to think of a of a lad who's got so much talent, who you know, you're absolutely right, dear and boy, we love him to bits. For, for, for him to be so far down that pecking order. Um, probably says more about how good the team has been as a whole rather than mm. rather than him. I mean, I think there have been times it's been a bit quiet. Obviously, we had that period where he was out of favour, didn't play. Um, Daniel clearly sorted him out, um, and he and he came back much better, much stronger. But I think I think he's had a he's certainly had a seven and a half, seven point seven five season. So he made <laughs> maybe an eight out of ten. Um, but uh, is he going to go anywhere? I, we hear. So many rumours, don't we? I mean, everyone in Deerham knows someone who knows someone who's his best mate's, you know, uncle's brother who works down the pub <laughs> and knows, seen him here, there and everywhere. Um, 
I've got a sneak. This is not based on any any factor. I've got a sneaky feeling he is going to stay. He's going to give it another go, and he is going to shine next season. Yeah, I, I went. I went to uni in Stoke, and it was like that with Robbie Williams. Every local that you met had a cousin or an aunt or something who'd babysat for Robbie Williams when they when he was a kid or whatever. And the funny thing is, he must have about twenty five houses, Todd, because everybody says, "Oh yeah, Todd lives there." Oh, I know where I've been passing. Down. That's that place, four bedroom, you know, this, that, and the other. So um, he's, he's obviously got a portfolio of property as the, as the lad. But uh, no, he's, he's, he's top man. And, and the video we saw yesterday of him. Um, Show, showing the trophy to the little and through that fence. I just thought, you know, it just summed up, it summed up Todd and it summed up Norwich City. And there's just been so many moments, haven't there, in recent how days where you think... there to capture it on camera. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Dave, you cynic. Kelly's <laughs> <laughs> been on the J2O. Um, <laughs> you're such a hard pack, man, aren't you? Um, but those, those those genuine moments that just say that's why, you know, that's why we love the badge. That's why we're proud of our team. And that's why we're proud of the lads who play for us. Yeah, he's a, he's a good lad, Todd. I know people probably read too much into his social media persona. But when, when you spit, see things like that in real life, he, he, he's got a good heart. I think that that's safe to say. Look, Pad, let me throw you a little bit of a hospital pass then and from following on from that. Where, where do you think we stand in terms of Campwell's future? Because it, it's gone a bit quiet on that front, really, hasn't it, in terms of, of rumours and things like that? And it might have just suited Norwich quite nicely the way he's, he's basically he's had a good second half of the season, hasn't he? And he's in a he's in a good place heading into the Premier League, and maybe there won't be too much distraction. Well, time will tell. Well, well, we both know, unfortunately, sadly, there will be plenty of speculation because that comes with the territory now and, and amplified by uh, digital channels. So I think it'll be fairly incessant around him, Emmy, and obviously Max, M3. Um, but I was speaking to somebody at Barnsley yesterday, actually, and uh, who's a bit closer to, to sort of the Premier League um, situation at the moment. And they were, they were just really coming at it from an angle that, and we know, they're under decent length contracts. We know Stuart Webber's approach in terms of the valuation of these individuals or any of Norwich's better players. Um, and that if it doesn't meet those requirements, it won't be happening. And and they think that a lot of the Premier League clubs are really going to feel the bite from the, the financial fallout from, from obviously the pandemic and then the, the lack of finance in terms of, you know, fans coming through the turnstile. Yes, of course, they have the broadcast revenue, but uh, still, you know, they're having to plug holes as Norwich are, but maybe to a lesser degree if they've got wealthy benefactors. But I think there's still, that seems to be a sense that there won't be lavish sums spent this summer. Uh, and if that is the case, you know, we might not see the sort of moves for players in those brackets of valuation. I mean, we can all pluck figures out, can't we? But, you know, Max, 35, 40 million, Buendia, maybe the same, Todd, maybe a little bit less so. Um, his portfolio isn't quite as lengthy as those other two, but still, a substantial amount for a young English player with his all the talent in the world who could be anything he wants to be in the game. Um, and ultimately, it might be less about what an individual wants or their people around them or even Norwich as a club. I think it will just be what the market dictates this summer. And it's going to be really intriguing to see how much business or lack of is done because ultimately, you know, to repeat what I just said there, Stuart Webber is not going to be selling those three or any of Norwich's best assets on the cheap. So if they don't get the type of bids they feel those players are worth, then it's irrelevant really what Todd, Max or Emmy or the people around them uh, want this summer to happen. It's ultimately down to 
somebody in terms of a, a potential suitor coming to Norwich with the type of money that is going to make sense um, for Norwich. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. So for me, trusting Stuart Webber, you know, he's proven what a negotiator he is and what a hard bargain he drives, you know. Um, and it's not just the Madison and the Godfrey level deals and Jamal as well and, and the, the sort of circus with Liverpool prior to the Newcastle. But I saw some somebody on Twitter the other day talking about he'd actually got, you know, reportedly a million pounds for Marley Watkins from Bristol City, which given Marley Watkins' career path since, has done the lines, you know, what what a negotiator that man is to deal with. So I, I would trust in Stuart Webber that um, none of those players or any players will leave Norwich unless it makes sense for Norwich this summer. Robert Marsh says, outstanding season from the lads. Let's show the Premier League what we can really do next season. Dave Hannon, let's bring the curtain down on Pink and Live 3. I don't think, strangely enough, we haven't really spoken about him too much. You and Clarkie both mentioned him uh, in your goal of the seasons. But Emmy Buendia, just how good has he been? I, I think it was probably October, November time when I started when I started saying regularly in my video verdicts that he was too good for the championship. He shouldn't be playing at that level. And he was just the outstanding player. We That has clearly been vindicated by the fact he's won championship player of the season. And uh, we discussed in our last pod, just sort of if there was one word you could use to describe him, although I want you to follow up with some more, what would that word be? Ridiculous. <laughs> I mm -hmm. think um, it is my one word. Because I, I honestly, I, I don't think, and I'm not just talking about for Norwich City, I don't think I can think of a single one player that has had a greater impact on one championship season than him. You know, I know people kind of wax lyrical about Adele Tarapt at, at QPR, but I, I, you know, as one that stand, stood out. Um, and even, you know, the year that we went up in right early days of, uh, with, with Huckabee. But in honesty, I can't think of one player who's looked so, so on another level to the rest of the league than him. You know, there have been players who maybe have scored more, but I just think all over the pitch, you know, even even his defensive work, you know, you probably struggle to find an attacking midfielder who does more defensive work than him uh, or, you know, in terms of creating chances, because obviously he's got, um, you know, I hate assist as a stat because, you know, uh, I could go, I could rant for days about this and expected goals. That's what, absolute tosh. But in terms of what he creates and what he makes happen, I don't think there's been a single player in the championship um, certainly this century, that has had that much of an impact than the Wendy. And I think as, as good as, you know, we, we've had plenty of standout players this season. You know, Ollie Skip was phenomenal and, you know, Timu Pukki scored 25 goals and Todd Cantwell was doing his stuff. But I don't think there's ever been a more obvious player of the season than Wendy. And I think if you take Wendy out of that team, we're probably looking at finishing sixth instead of first. And Clarkie, just finally, your views on on the Argentine who Delia was serenading on the pitch. Just before, before I talk about Emmy, I, I do know that Dave Hannon, I'll work with him all week, he will go on about expected goals and assists <laughs> all week. So, uh, <laughs> feel for me over the next few days. Um, I think I think with Emmy, I mean, his, his skill is, is outrageous, but it is that all-round, you know, that, I've forgotten which game it was, but that tackle... Um, that, that won us the ball that then set up a goal. I can't remember which which game it was, but That's it was a Sheffield Wednesday game. The, 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 the Wednesday, camera yeah. crazy tackle. Um, and his his work rate, his effort, and I know that sometimes gets him a bit of bother, but um, 
he is he is sensational and you know i i slightly disagree with dave i think i think we would have finished higher than sixth without him but he has he has been a massive difference and i think if he, if he can stay for next season he gives us a huge chance of staying up um one stat i did just spot you might have all seen this is thanks to ncfc numbers what a great twitter feed that is um of the last eight teams that have finished on 97 points or more in the championship um all of them have gone on to next season to finish at least 14th in the in the premier league in the following season so those you know, are the stuff if, i can get on board with yeah, if if, if that if that's what if that's what um, you know our success this season has meant, and we can replicate that to to, to even you know an extent next season, build on that, get the momentum going, then I think we've got a good chance. Top stuff. Uh, just a couple of comments to finish on. Eddie Ivans, Stuart Weber has always said if they don't get the right money and it doesn't improve the player, we won't be selling. And Chris Dayson, I can honestly see us still having all the crown jewels when the window closes. If we had to let anyone go, for me, it would be Todd and Max. But we will see. It's going to be a very interesting summer. Chaps, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much to all of our guests tonight. That is Pink and Live 3. That is the end of the 2021 season as far as we're concerned. Uh, as mentioned a few times during the show, uh, Jeff, the Jeff Astle Foundation.co.uk slash donate is the place to go to if you would like to support uh, the charity that we have been supporting tonight and um, we're hoping uh, before before the pandemic arrived we were looking at trying to organize a, a proper pink and live event in real life at a pub at a bar somewhere like that where fans could come along and and we can actually have a chat face to face and you know we'll we'll be up on stage with, with microphones and and have a good chat maybe after a game something like that so we're hoping at some point next season, we'll be able to line something up like that, mainly because if we can do that, that means you guys will be back at Carrow Road and life will be getting back to normal. So fingers crossed from, from all of us, of course, that we are back towards normality next season. But what we do know is Norwich City are heading back to the Premier League as champions in style. And it's been a great season. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Pinker.com, of course, is the place to go. We'll keep you up to date with all the latest Norwich City news and views. Our documentary, which was released tonight, that's available on the Pinkham YouTube channel. And if you haven't already seen it, the poem read by Stephen Fry to those we've missed, which is you guys, the Norwich City fans. Thanks very much for watching.